and that's uh, that's how it happened. It seems that these meetings are a bit spaced out, and suddenly I'm speaking again. I haven't done this for a month, and here we are again. And what we used to do it twice a month is now once a month because that's the way things are working out. But it seems like an age since we gathered together here and uh, just got into the Word. Is it good to get into the Word? Is the Word, is the Word responsible for all our spiritual growth, our foundation, uh, giving us direction, uh, giving us discipline when we need it? But the Word of God is complete in itself. Uh, he doesn't need anybody to alter it. And uh, as uh, as we heard earlier, uh, there are people that, yeah, well, God didn't actually mean that. It's a bit of a messing about with translation. Listen, the Word of God states it. That's it. If God says it, I believe it, that settles it. That's it. Okay, let's let's get on with believers' authority, and uh, I'm going to try and get a little bit further than I did with the with it last time. But here we go. Um, authority is transferred or delegated to the church. Did Jesus give his disciples authority? Is Matthew 28? the statement that gives authority. It's also repeated in Mark. All authority has been given unto me, said Jesus. You go. That's delegating. You go. Get into this world. Get wherever you feel. Uh, every, every inch of ground that is touched by your feet, I will give to you. Just go and preach the word. And the word will always fulfill itself every hour, every day. Um, where is Jesus at this moment in time? He's at the right hand of the Father. So if there's ministry coming directly to us from the Lord, who is it coming through? Through the Holy Spirit. That's right. He ministers to us through the Holy Spirit. But what we receive is directly from the heart of Jesus. Amen? Which is directly from the heart of the Father. Uh, so Jesus is, Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. The transfer of authority, it's something that's already done. All we have to do is work and walk in that authority. When Jesus said to the disciples, all authority is given unto me in heaven and on earth, does that mean everywhere? Does that mean total, absolute authority? All authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. That's it. It's done. It's established. And once it's established, it's rooted. And the only, other, the only way the authority had to move, as it were, in terms of information, in terms of teaching, is by the disciples going out and do the doing the job they were called to do, teach the people. 
<coughs> excuse me, teach the people, get people saved, get people, get people's lives transformed, and then teach them. What are you going to teach them? This is how you do it? Well, yes, if that's written in the Word, because they teach the Word. Now, of course, when Jesus said, all authority is given unto me, you go, you minister the Word, they didn't have the Word that we have. The Gospels weren't written then. The Epistles weren't written then. And probably, possibly, John hadn't even thought about Revelation. But we have the complete word, word of God. Some people call it the counsel of God. I believe there's more to the counsel of God than, than that's in here. But uh, we're not ready for that. Won't be ready for that until we meet him face to face. And then, as Paul says, I shall know everything when I see him face to face. Because I will teach myself? No. Because Look, I believe that there will be Bible school in heaven. Yeah, I believe that. I, I don't think for one moment that Tony Wilson will be teaching there. Not, not with Matthew, Mark, Luke, Paul, James, John. Uh, no, no, no. I'll be quite happy. Listen, I'll be quite happy to be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. Amen. Because that in itself will be a major blessing for eternity. But let's get on. Let's move on here. Uh, turn to Ephesians chapter 1. We've been there already. But we're going there again. Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verse 18 onwards. Uh, you know this. You, should, you probably know it off by heart. But here we go. That the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance among the saints. Where has Jesus planted his inheritance? It's in us. It's in us. It's given to us openly and freely. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he performed in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in heavenly places? That's the greatest display of power from God ever. Yes, he spoke with his voice. The earth came into being. The universe came into being. But when he called Jesus back from the dead and seated him at his own right hand, the ultimate place of authority, there is no higher authority than Jesus at the right hand of the Father. But Jesus has delegated his authority to us, to you and to me. That means we have authority. We have authority to live. We have authority to work. We have authority to teach. And we have authority to sit here in fellowship and feeding upon the word of God. Uh, and, of course, the one thing we still deal with that Jesus dealt with is Satan's opposition. He's still at work. He's still in this world. 
and we come face to face with him through people that we meet very often. They can be the nicest people in the land, but suddenly the devil will show his true colors through those people. We are still God's people. We are still God's servants, and we have authority. We have a right, an absolute right. When our house, our tent, this tent, the bricks and mortar in which we live, when they are under attack, we have a right to say, Satan, you do not come here. You do not touch this house. You do not touch our family. Pam and I had to do that uh, last night <coughs> because uh, Dave and his family, the devil's trying to get in with a, a little bit of goodness knows whatever, call it COVID, call it what you like, but something is trying to come on them, and we we had to stand our ground. We had to stand on the authority of the name of the Lord Jesus, on the authority of the Word of God, and tell the devil straight to sling his hook, you go. There are six people living in that house, and every one of them is saved. From the eldest, Matthew, uh, Daniel, who is 18, off to university in September. And I've got a picture. We got a picture on one of the walls of our house where Dave is sat in a chair and he's cradling a, a, a day's old baby in his arm. That's the one who's 18 now and off to university. Changes are taking place, but they're still family. They're still family. And of course, um, the amazing thing about it is not all of us here this morning are from the same fellowship, but we are family. You agree? Great. Uh, look, sorry, guys, but we've got each other for eternity. That's it. <clears throat> yeah, we're stuck with each other. Ha <laughs> uh, they die, we're stuck with each other for eternity. Yes, I'll be at the tin of biscuits. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. 2 Corinthians 2, are you there? Right, here we go. Now thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. We don't struggle through life. We walk in triumph. We walk in victory. Our victory, no, his victory that he has imparted to us. <coughs> now, thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph in Christ and through us reveals the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Now, listen to this. For we are to God a sweet fragrance of Christ amongst those who are saved and amongst those who are perishing. Listen, the, the life that we live, the witness that comes out from us, it doesn't matter whether we're with a fellow Christian or whether, whether we are an unbeliever. It is the same truth that's coming for, from us. Uh, sadly, there are people who, as we heard earlier this morning, not everybody's going to be saved. No matter how much we pray for them, no matter how much we witness to them, God will not violate a person's will. And that's it. 
And if somebody said thanks but no thanks, there's nothing we can do. All we can do is pray for them and leave them with God, that they will have an encounter with God that they will never forget. Uh, uh, right, back to verse 15 in 2 Corinthians 2. For we are to God a sweet fragrance of Christ among those who are saved and among those who perish. To the one we are the fragrance of death, which brings death, to the other the fragrance of life, which brings life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not as many uh, who peddle the word of God. Instead, being sent by God, we sincerely speak in Christ in the sight of God. We speak the unadulterated, unchanged, and unchangeable, unalterable word of God. That's what has to come out of our mouth. And of course, other things do come out of our mouth. Yes, yes, well, uh, they do. Uh, the fact that we spend time with God refreshes what we have in us, and therefore, that refreshment comes out. Do you agree? Amen. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, we read it earlier, but just to refresh us, Jesus sat above all powers, principalities, every name and title that can be named. His name is the name above every disease that we can imagine. His name is the name above every disability. His name is the name above every situation that we come across every day of our lives. His name is greater. His name, we used to sing a song. I think we've sung it here. His name is higher than any other. Yes, his name is higher than any other. And that is the name that we bear. Um, that is, uh, you, you go into a department store or into an office block and you will find people wearing badges, identity badges, so that we know who they are. We have an identity badge and the name on that badge is Jesus. I serve Jesus. I walk with him. I talk with him. And he tells me that I am his own. Okay. Therefore, the source of our authority is the resurrection and ascension and exaltation of Jesus Christ to the Father's right hand. Amen. Resurrection, the death, burial, but it didn't end there. Then there was the resurrection. Then there's the ascension. Back to his seat of power and authority. That which he laid aside and came to earth so that he might bring the presence of God to earth and ultimately be the sacrifice that was needed for sin. The blood of the Lord Jesus that was shed at Calvary is still, that blood is still running today because you remember Jesus, uh, Jesus warned one of the women who came to him after he'd risen from the dead, don't touch me, I've not yet ascended to my father. Why did he have to send to his father? Because he took the blood that was shed and he took it to his father and it was poured on the mercy seat where it is today. 
and it's still active. It's still powerful. It is your protection. It is my protection. Uh, it, is, it is there for your healing. It is there for your empowerment. It's there. And it's there to establish and continue your relationship with Father. It gives you rights. Rights into the presence of the God of the universe. And we need our spiritual eyes to be open to this fact all the time. Because there are many people who put you down. There are people in the world who think you're potty for being a Christian. There's nothing in it. The church has the outlived its usefulness. God hasn't even started yet. He hasn't even started. There is more work to be done in the church today. God hasn't finished with this place, and whichever church you go to, he hasn't finished with your church either. He has work to do, and there is an outpouring of the Spirit coming uh, that will be something that we have never experienced in our lives. It's going to be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and it is going to take hold of the people of God, and it is going to further empower the people of God to do the final thrust of taking the gospel to this world before the Lord comes again. I thought that would have got an amen, but there we are. Yeah, uh, I don't know about you, but he can't come quick enough for me. But I, 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 that, that's not a boast. Um, in all honesty, God has work to do, and he tells us, be patient. Be patient. The time is coming, but be patient. Stay in the word. Yeah. Keep in the word. Keep in fellowship with God's people. Keep around the throne of grace. Keep in prayer. Keep speaking in tongues. Don't let that die. Whatever you do, keep speaking in tongues because it is the power in your life and it gives you access to God that the devil doesn't know what you're saying. And he doesn't know what he what to think of it because you are communing, communing with God in a language that only God can understand. Yeah. Amen. Uh, now, if Jesus is the head of the church, you agree with that? Jesus is the, Christ is the head of the church. The church is the body. Follow me here. The head and the body were raised together. Got it? Because we are seated. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. And Paul tells us that we are seated with him, having been lifted to that level, so that your place next to Jesus, right next to the Christ, right next to the Lord of creation, right next to the Lord of all glory, you are there. And that is the place from which you pray. That is the place from which you minister. Pastor, that is the place from which you run the church. 
Whatever you do in church, you are doing it from that position of the right hand of the Father with Jesus. Amen. No, you're not next to the Father. You have access to the Father through Jesus. And, you know, I've, I've tried to imagine the picture of this. It's a huge multitude, a long line of people who were sat alongside the Lord next to his Father. But, you know, the amazing thing is, whatever Jesus and Father uh, say to each other is disclosed to us. All right? We get the heart of God every time. Take hold of it. We get the heart of God. And so when we are talking, when we are worshipping, whatever we're doing, we have the heart of God. And it's pulsating inside us. Woo! Yeah. Now, let me tell you something. I'll, I'll give you a hint to one of my addictions. I love roller coasters. Not those things that, go, that are made of metal and go around in the... No, no, they're chicken. Think of the old wooden roller coaster. And that, the, that car is coming off the hill and it's going straight up the hill to the turn at the top. And apparently, the, if it's made of timber, that roller coaster gives with the inertia from... Now, I love roller coasters. I love that. No, Pam stays, Pam stays behind when I have a ride on one of those. Uh, yeah, but the thing is, we have a God who delights in the things that delight us coming from his heart. Now, uh, that, it's fine. God will ride a roller coaster with you. He's fine. He provided the intelligence that designed them in the first place. And, uh, you know, if, if you want to go for a walk in the, far, in the forest, you're thinking about your quiet time with Father, ask Father along. He'll go with you and he will talk with you. And you'll learn things in the forest that you never knew before. And uh, he'll tell you to stop. And he said, look, look at that over there. And you'll see a squirrel that you might not see normally. Yeah, yeah, just invite him out for the walk. Invite him as part of the family. Little boy got up and ran downstairs to his dad. He said, Dad, I've just been telling God some of my jokes. And Father says, just wait until God tells you some of his jokes. <laughs> There's nothing God likes more than walking with his people and listening to what they have to say. Okay. So the head and the body are one. Do you agree? Yeah. The head and the body are one. Uh, we haven't got a headless. That is a tomb. There is a tomb in some basilica somewhere 
said to hold the head of Christ. Really? No one knows where the body is. Well, I can tell him where the body is. Where the body, the head is sat at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is the, Christ is the head of the church. He is ultimate authority and he feels, he feeds that authority to us. Now, you take the policeman. Nice summer's day, bit of a breeze blowing. He's on duty and he says, nah, no need to take the uniform. I'll just put my shorts and t-shirts on and just parade down the high street and do my job that way. Well, that's, that's not worth anything. First of all, he's going to be hauled before the chief constable. Secondly, people won't recognize him for who he is because that uniform gives him status. We are one with Christ and that gives us status. The name of Jesus gives us status. Have you got it? Yeah. Amen. Uh, the church is limited in doing the works of Christ through lack of revelation. Does that mean to say that God isn't giving us revelation? No. The problem lies often between these two. We are not seeking, we are not receiving revelation. If you want revelation from Father, there's two places you're going to get it. First of all, in the company of the saints, uh, in worship and, and ministry, but most importantly, on your own with Father, in that time. Uh, we, Pam and I were talking the other night about uh, some of the old saints that we knew. Uh, we were talking about the place of prayer. Um, you know, we, we, we've been in this flat now for five months, getting on. And we'd not, we've not quite sorted out where the prayer, four months, right, I've been corrected. Uh, we've not quite sorted out what is what in, in the flat, if you understand what I'm saying. And, uh, but we were talking about people who used to have what was called a trysting place. Now, that's an old statement, an old word. It's the place of prayer. It's the place of meditation. It's the place of intercession. And some people have a prayer chair. That's it. Um, Billy Brim has her prayer chair. She has one that she ministers to on the platform, and she has one in her home that is her place where she meets with God, and nobody touches it. Fine? Where's your prayer? Where's your prayer place? You know, all of us here are old enough and experienced enough to have established a place where we meet with God outside of the fellowship. Because the church is suffering through lack of revelation. Turn to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 12.
1 Corinthians chapter 12, and let's pick it up at verse 12. For as the body is one and has many parts, and all the many parts of that one body are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we are slaves or free, and we have all been made to drink of one Spirit, the body is not one part, but many. But all of us are united in unity through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We're still dealing with the letters of Paul. That's fine. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Any unbelievers here this morning? Are we all believers? Of course we are. What fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion has light with darkness? Jesus taught on, on light and darkness. What agreement has Christ with Belial? Or what part has he who believes with an unbeliever who believes with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. In other words, no idols. We can have trappings. God doesn't have a problem with our trappings coming into our life. What he does have a problem with is when our life gets uh, wrapped up in our in our um, in our trappings. Now, I love a good game of rugby. Now, I really enjoy a good game of rugby, and we've got South Africans here this morning, and uh, they play good rugby over there. But it's not my be-all and end-all. You know, I, occasionally I sit and I watch a good match on television, but it's occasionally. And I do that deliberately because I, want to, I don't want to be sucked into something that's going to take me away from what God has in my life. Do you understand? Yes. <sighs> Believer equals righteousness. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Who's the him? Christ Jesus, yes. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So what we for want of a better word, what we exude, what we peddle, is the righteousness of God that comes from the heart of God. Okay? That's all part of believer's authority. We have access to the heart of God through Christ. 
we also minister the heart of God to each other. Amen? Okay, I'm going to start winding this up. I don't want to take up too much of Owen's time for the last session. Uh, the authority of the believer, there is a necessity for us to link up with the Word. Now, we've heard about that already this morning. The Word is essential. We live it, we walk in it, and we apply it daily to our lives. Because the, the Word of God gives us the record of our inheritance. And you'll find that in Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 16. For where there is a will, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. That's the one minister, that's the one who's written the will. So if God has written to us a will, therefore it is necessary that Jesus died to bring that will into operation. For a will has, has force after men are dead, since it has no force at all while the testator lives. So not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. For when Moses had taught every precept toward the people according to the law, to the law he took the blood of calves and goats with water, scarlet wool and hyssop, and sprinkled both the book and all the people. It's all there right from the beginning. Right from the time God started to deal with his people. And, of course, uh, we, we could stay there. We could stay there forever and a day, but we haven't got forever and a day this morning. That is our inheritance. Um, I, a number of years ago now, I, I received a phone call from my brother. And, and he said, uh, uh, we've been at a funeral of my, my last remaining aunt on my mother's side. Her name was Queenie, Queenie Tusa. She never married. And, uh, and my brother said, um, you're going to get a phone call from a solicitor. He said, there's a sizable will. I said, what? I said, she didn't have two farthings to rub together. I said, he said, trust me, there is money and there's property. And so I, I said, okay, fine. Uh, and sure enough, I got uh, not a phone call, but a letter from a solicitor's. Um, I had to prove who I was. I'm the, I'm the eldest son of Edith Tuza, who was Queenie's next sister. And, uh, you know, they, they, they were quite happy with that. And then I had to apply for my share. You see, there were things I had to do to get my share of the will. And I think it was a couple of thousand, wasn't it? something like that but uh, and there were there was myself my sister my brother and there were other cousins as well so it must have been a sizable estate for us to get each the the amount that we did 
and the, the will was ministered, but I had to make my claim. And God has laid down a will and testament for us. And it's available now, but we have to access it. We have to claim it through the name of Jesus. We say, Father, everything in your kingdom is mine. Jesus said so. Your word says so. But it is essential that for the authority of the believer to be active and successful the way God designed it to be, we need to link up every day with the word of God. Uh, same as Owen's experience, Father, what are you saying here in your word? And he'll talk to you. God does talk. Sometimes he says things we don't want to hear, but uh, he does talk to us. Father, what are you saying here? He will bring wisdom to you. Uh, either he'll do it himself or he'll suddenly bring someone on your path who's a bit more experienced and walked a little bit further than you have and they will sit down with you and they will talk with you. And what blessed times we have in those moments. Uh, I'm going I'm to close with Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13. Chapter 3 and verse 13, and we have these words. If I can find verse 13, I've got it. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by me being made a curse for us. As it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree, so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Through faith. It's ministered to me through faith. Amen? Amen. Through faith. That's why we are able to participate in the whole counsel of God. You might get something, you will get something, you will get, I'll get something, but together we are ministering in the counsel of God. And we are walking by faith, not by sight. Amen. Amen. And that is important for this day and age in which we live. Uh, these days are perilous days. I'm serious. And they're going to get even more perilous because things are happening and things are about to happen. And, uh, uh, well, it's, well, it means that we are going to be driven back to the word of God, driven back to the security of his household. Amen. Amen. And we rely on his name and on the counsel of God in our hearts and in our lives. It means listening to what God is saying to us. If he tells you, don't go out today, you don't go out today. You sit and you get in the word. If he tells you, don't go down this road, go down that road, you do it. It's for your own good. You know, remember those times when your parents used to tell you off, and I'll admit with me, it was fairly often. Uh, 
We're only telling you for your own good. Yeah, it was discipline. And as you got older, you went into your advanced teens, and you, you look back and you say, yeah, thanks, Mum and Dad, for what you did there. Thank you, Father, for the way that you minister to us. You bring your word into our lives. There are times when you discipline us. There are times when you correct us. But always, you love us. Amen. God bless you all. Got something this morning? Amen.